0: This is the Live Your Passion Podcast with your host, Ryan Bedard. We are proudly recording this podcast at the WSCA Studios in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. If you want to stay up to date on what we're up to, give us a follow on Instagram, at Live Your Passion Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Super excited uh, this morning to have uh, our guest, uh, Devin Powell, on the show. Devin how you doing
1: doing well how you doing
0: good man oh yeah we gotta shut our put our phones on airplane mode here <laughs> remind me
1: the uh, Instagram thing real quick oh you got Instagram nice gotta do the little uh, quick story here don't uh, let me, don't
0: let me forget that we got to get a photo too okay before we'll we uh, before we go
1: gotta do the the live no not the live just the the story thing <laughs> now it's official
0: now it's official you've been doing a good job with the stories yeah I I've try. been following along yeah it's good, <laughs> good. Cause it it gives uh, it's it's almost like reality TV in a way. Yeah, it's giving people the the behind the scenes of the day to day life. Uh, and you're on you're on a pretty damn wild ride right now.
1: Yeah, I've been all over the place, man. Just uh, getting ready for this fight. I've I've been uh, it's the most traveling I've ever done preparing for a fight from the UFC retreat, um, the athlete retreat, and then going to the Azores for a wedding and training with a bunch of guys in Portugal. And then going to um, the BJJ Globetrotters thing, which we can get into all of but yeah. yeah I've been all over the place it's been great though
0: it's been it's been a while just watching so we have a couple acquaintances um, I went to school with played soccer with so Rob Robbie Rochester Oh yeah a friend yeah. of mine growing up we played soccer yeah. together and then Jay Downs yeah, yeah. Um, so it's been awesome uh, I, I got into watching and being a, a fan of MMA probably a few years ago. Um, I, I kind of flirted with it a bit, watching it on TV. Never got a chance to to go to a gym and, and study any form of martial arts, except for when I was a kid, I did karate. And then uh, when Conor McGregor started fighting, there was just something about, maybe it was a lot of it was he was the same size as me, you know, like a smaller guy. But um, his attitude, you know, his drive, um, something about it, the way he fights really drew me to the sport. And I think, you know, in a lot of things certain people will draw you know people in um, so it was really cool to start watching and then find out that you were fighting in your local and then uh, I got to see the episode of uh, Dana White's show looking for a fight yeah. and so I just started cheerleading from that point on because Robbie was posting it on Facebook Jay was posting it on Facebook I'm like this is awesome so I've been following you since you pretty much got signed in a little before and it's been it's been fun to watch, but man, you were on a ride.
1: Yeah, it's, it's insane, man. It's uh, It all just kind of came really organically. I had a, a big string of fights. I, do, uh, I did four fights within six months, um, but the last one was where that Dana White looking for a fight show kind of came into play. Mm-hmm. But I fought for World Series of Fighting, and I won a decision, but the fights prior to that and that, my back was pretty messed up. I couldn't bend over, touch my toes, Everything was hurting, and I told myself that I needed to give myself a serious break from fighting just to recover, do some physical therapy, be able to move and play with my daughter and all this stuff, but I was out at a show, kind of drinking, having a good time um, after that World Series of Fighting fight, and I got a call saying that this local league that I was the 155 champ for uh, New England fights, they were doing the Dana White show, and somebody got hurt, so three weeks notice, they're like, will you fill in, so I just... Had to say yes, so hopped right into a three-week fight camp, and soon enough, I was fighting in front of Dana White and Dean Thomas <laughs> and Matt Sarah, and it was insane. It was,
0: and you, you broke your nose in that fight.
1: Yeah, I broke it. <laughs> it was pretty much off of my face. I yeah, got my nose smashed, and then I was, uh, I was trying to wipe Vaseline off my face, which I thought was Vaseline, but it was just my nose off to the side. So, <laughs> yeah, I knew I was, I was a. Uh, Pretty busted up. And they,
0: and they, uh, when they were commentating on, on the show, they were blown away by your ability to just keep going after breaking your nose and, and winning the fight. Yeah. I mean, by that, submission. Yeah.
1: I was blown away too. <laughs> Once I saw what my nose looked like after, if, yeah. I, if they had a big screen up and I saw myself in the middle of the fight, maybe it would have changed my mind. It looked like it was but, mashed in, you know, yeah, like, it was, was off, probably off to the side a bit. It was in and over. So <laughs> the, uh, Din Thomas in the, in the show just said it looked like a question mark. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad, but. My uh, my coach fixed it right after the fight finished. Straightened right out. Looks yeah, pretty he's like, straight right I'm now. I'm gonna he's like I'm gonna do this before before the adrenaline wears off. I gotta do it now. So right after I win he's popping my nose back into place. Yeah. So yeah, that was a little rough, but
0: And so you got you got signed after that fight?
1: Yeah, basically I had that that uh I finished that fight. I broke my nose. I tore my LCL in the fight, too, actually. Jesus. I was sitting out back, slumped against a wall, covered in my own blood. I really had no clue if they were interested in me. I just knew that they flew a guy in to fight in Maine from California and from Brazil to compete on that card. And those were the guys that they were considering signing. They just needed they needed a good fight to, um, to have uh, merit to go to Maine because they wanted to film when Dana White was uh, doing a um, va- little mini vacation at one of his houses because he's from Maine. Yeah, it's all the episode. So they the figured episode. it was an opportune, event or opportune time to, to make a show, so they brought those guys in. Then I get put in three weeks' notice, and I told my buddy Charles Rosa, who fights in the UFC, and he trains with din thomas i said hey don't let these guys overlook me i'm a good fighter i have a good record and i i deserve a shot if i go out there and perform so he told him that and then the show when i actually saw it air they they were sitting over lunch and they were talking about me so i had no clue when i actually fought how they felt if they were interested at all if they're just going to go get cheeseburgers and just wait for the main fight or what yeah. But, I kind of had a a good feeling prior because all the fights before me didn't have all the cameramen and stuff the way I did. They put like a GoPro on one of my cornermen, and they really uh had the cameras going, so if I did perform, it seemed like they were gonna have the correct footage um and then but, as I said out out back after the fight concluded, I was sitting there, covered my own blood, just busted up, couldn't really walk well. <clears throat> My daughter was too afraid to even see me because oh, like, yeah. she just knew I was I was covered in blood and it looked awful.
0: It's going to be scary. But
1: I was told that they wanted to talk to me, so I basically got up and kind of got my composure and sure enough, they walked in the room, started talking to me, and they told me they were interested. And From there, they shook my hand, walked off, and then about a week later, I get a call from the old matchmaker, Joe Silva. It's Sean Shelby now, who's been in the UFC a long time, mm-hmm. but... Joe was the one I used to be in direct contact with, but he retired and going living a good life. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so you you um so you took a chance.
1: Oh yeah, big chance, big chance. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and you know you got an opportunity. Yeah. You weren't even supposed to fight. No. It's no. pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it was it was huge. It was a no brainer. You know. It was yeah. The the chance was maybe losing in front of those guys, but. I could go and I could have fought four or five more times and won every one of those fights and still not got a look by them. Yeah. That was me forcing myself into their eyes. That's awesome. Most fighters that are phenomenal. There's a lot of them in the the state of Maine and New Hampshire and whatnot that all deserve shots. It's just, there's so many fighters on this planet and they all want to get there. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how they get in the eyes of these guys. And you just never know. And I had no clue. And I knew. 100 percent, they would see me fight if i fought right in front yeah. of them so i did it
0: and so you just had well not too long ago you had your debut debut um with dracar i actually uh you were running late so i got to rewatch the whole fight which oh, okay. was nice yeah um he he just seemed to hold you to the to the fence the whole time and clinch you up
1: yeah it was a it was a frustrating fight for sure like He's he didn't a- want to give you any
0: range to kick him
1: yeah, he, um, I mean, he's a great fighter. He's undefeated. Um, Michigan uh, Michigan state champ wrestler, D1 wrestler. Uh, if I'm, um, I, think, I think D1 wrestler. He wrestled in college, I know that. Yeah. Um, trains with Benson Henderson at the Lab, which is one of the best gyms in the world. Benson was the old 55 champ. Mm-hmm. So I fought him in Arizona, which is the state he trains in. And um, I, just, if, I just figured he was going to go there. He wanted to get in like a, a scrappy fight. And I was expecting that. Um, and when we were on the wall, I was thinking with his wrestling pedigree, he'd work harder to put me on my back. Yeah. So I was thinking more defend takedown rather than get off the cage, but mm-hmm. really he wasn't trying hard to take me down. He was trying to, to foot stomp me just enough so that yeah. we didn't get separated. But there was four occasions where the fight gets separated because the ref thought that he wasn't doing enough to keep it going. Yeah. So I think that that kind of thing needs to come into play more often and, and be more penalized yeah. for, for fighters, not saying that like... I deserve to win because of that, but I think that there should be more of a, um, you know, m- more, uh, I don't know. You should,
0: continuation of the fight. Keep it going.
1: Yeah, I think you should just know that if you if you get warned once, all right, that's your warning. If you get warned again about stalling, that you're close to losing a point. You get mm-hmm. warned again, then you're going to lose a point. More like kind of pride style. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it was four times that he got warned and that we had to break the action so that we could keep fighting.
0: In round two, you landed a couple really nice elbows to his face, <laughs> and I was hoping that damaged him <laughs> beyond the point of coming back. But he hit you with several flying knees to the body. Mm-hmm. Like he he landed some pretty brutal shots, and you just kept kept on going, man. You you have a even the commentators on, on this were saying you you have an ability to just take the blow after blow. Yep. But he he definitely landed some big ones on you, but. I, I just, I wanted to see you kick him in the face because he was taunting you so bad. Yeah. <laughs> he kept, doing, kept putting his hands up and it was just yeah. like, I hate when fighters do that yeah.
1: shit. And it was very, it was very uh, strange, you know? He was trying to win the crowd by doing that stuff. Yeah. But if you're actually understanding the fight, uh, every time that I would move and try and take center ground, it was only because every time we would engage, he would try and put me back on the wall and stall. Yeah. So he was making it seem like I was the one not trying to push the action, but exactly in actuality, he was the only person stalling. I didn't, I didn't try and press him on the cage. I didn't try and run when we were, you know, when we were uh, exchanging. He would, um, he would press every time I would throw, and then he would try and sit on me on the wall. So yeah it is what it is was there
0: anything you would have done differently in that in that fight kind of going back and watching footage and seeing your game plan
1: yeah i mean you you say you say you would do things differently and when you're in a fist fight the the first time you get hit like everything kind of goes out the window (laughs) you're just all of a sudden in this whirlpool as one of my fighters glenn says it's like you get it's like you're getting thrown into a whirlpool and all you're trying to do is swim to the side yeah um so it's very very crazy. You don't remember much. it's Pure so, adrenaline, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like there there are plenty of things that I would have adjusted, thrown more uh, linear shots for sure. um uh, Every time I kind of looped kicks and things around the sides, it, it gave more of a, a path to, to press straight forward. Um, but yeah, you know, a fight's a fight. That one's over. I I, I feel like I've done a lot of things to to better my game so the next time i get in a fight i'll i'll do those things better if i were to fight somebody with the same kind of strategy but
0: and i think that's the coolest thing for me being on the outside now i've wanted to for a while i've wanted to do either bjj or muay thai which are two things that you're you're trained in yep yep. um unfortunately the gym down the way here i tried getting into their schedules on tuesdays and thursdays and they they couldn't make it happen i don't know if they're just closing down or whatnot but Uh, okay Schedule-wise, I haven't been able to make it happen with three kids at home in and, and life, yeah, but I've, I'm really drawn to it. Um, I think the coolest thing about watching MMA, if you actually, you know, don't, uh, you know, sign it off and say, oh, there's a bunch of barbarians in the ring just fighting. What are these, gladiators? It's, it's really interesting to see the peop- every person's background, whether they started doing karate when they were a kid, kickboxing, uh, wrestling, and then see them paired up with someone who's an expert in different fields and then each one of them figuring out how much of each martial arts form should they learn to be dangerous or should they just focus on what they're really good at and just have a little bit of a ground game. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see that and it's really interesting to see different fighting styles paired together. I think that's one of the coolest things about watching MMA.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own specialties I I was one of the guys that started up at an MMA gym and I did everything from day one so I showed up they had wrestling, catch wrestling, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, MMA so I just day one did all the classes and loved all of them and kept doing all of the classes some people grow up from age three, they're wrestling, and they grow up, they wrestle collegiately, and then from there they learn how to strike, but they'll always have that takedown in their back pocket. Some guys have this karate background where they have this very unorthodox movement, and they have this style, like Wonder Boy Thompson is a yeah. phenomenal fighter, and he's just very different in the way he, he flips his kicks over his punches, and mm-hmm. all these things that he does very, very well, <clears throat> but everybody knows some jiu-jitsu, some wrestling, some Muay Thai, some boxing um some bjj it's just a matter of you know it's almost like you're playing like tony hawk and you got your stats you know everybody's got nobody's at zero yeah you can't be at zero or you're not going to make it to the next level but some people are all the way at 100 and then you need to learn how to how to you know negate that ability or that that skill with another skill of yours you know great kickboxer you got to focus on your takedowns you know different things that that always uh, the, the equations always um, you know play depending on who you're uh, who you're fighting everybody's different but mm-hmm. we all know a bit of everything it's yeah just how much and then you try and exploit the things that they know little of or less of
0: yeah and you you've had uh, what two or three professional submission wins
1: yep yeah, um, as a pro I think I have five first round finishes yep. two knockouts three submissions. Yeah, and then three decisions Were the two knockouts with kicks. Um, my two knockouts, uh, both, um, both elbows. Elbows. Yeah, on the ground. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. My three, um, two of the three submissions that I have, though, um, I, uh, I set them up with knocking my opponent yeah. down. I dropped them, and they were pretty much already out. And then I strangle them so. yeah because they're
0: looking for a fight you kicked him got him down then you you put him into yeah. old yeah. yep um and your next fight is uh let's see here june 25th against uh daryl horcher correct he's 12 and 2 you're 8 and 2 what what style uh fighter is he
1: um he's a striker yeah he's a lefty yeah he's got a very powerful left hand he trains with Um, Anthony Pettis and Sergio Pettis from Duke Rufus's gym. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been there too, too long, I don't believe, but regardless, he trains with a good camp. He's going to have a good camp going in. Good coaches. He was a CFFC champion, I think, at 155. Yeah. Um, he wrestled, I guess. I don't know what kind of pedigree, but it's probably not as good as, uh, as my last opponent.
0: Yeah. So when you, when you look at, um, going into a fight so i'm sure you know a lot of listeners here don't fight maybe not know anything about mma um when you're looking at a at a fighter um you know and we talk about training camps you know how how are you approaching a camp based on a fighter let's say like daryl because you're going into that fight how are you how are you preparing for that
1: um so every fight you got to do different things, but I'm, I'm not the most conventional fighter. A lot of people have a very, very specific um, plan per fight. I, I think of the things that they do best, and I, I try and game plan to be able to avoid those things, but just keep the fight flowing naturally and organically and look for openings for whatever I feel like doing in the fight. I feel like I, I need to have my openings for a takedown, um, but I also need to be able to stand and, and strike with them the whole fight. And with standing and fighting on my feet, I need to make sure that I'm avoiding his left hand, avoiding his hook off, which is his right hand, um, and, and just uh, keeping my, my right hand up real, real strong because that, that left hand's coming in hot and uh, movement. I feel like I have more explosiveness, more speed in and out on my feet than he does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's really avoiding a couple of things. I do this very well, but making sure I do what I do well.
0: Yeah, and now have you, you've probably gone past looked at past fights of his. Yep. And it, do you see like openings for things that you're really good at, that you can kind of fit into those fights where you're like, oh, I could easily when he goes with the left, yeah. dodge that and kick him in the f- the head with the right.
1: Yeah, that's the idea. Absolutely. There's yeah. plenty of things like that that I'm looking for and trying to make sure that I'm I'm drilling on the mitts and whenever I'm sparring and all this stuff that. Hoping that when it comes to raw shin to face, or you know, whenever I get the four ounce gloves, that I can really make the, those opportunities count mm-hmm. and try and finish the fight as, as quickly and efficiently as possible.
0: Now, how much of uh, how much of your fighting and training is is uh, is diet and cardio, you know, and and things outside of you know fight training?
1: Um, the the cardio is. Is definitely a part of it but I try and do it um, I have a strength and conditioning coach Andrew Morris who comes down from his Academy Atlantic Karate and uh, it's like a it's like a karate facility but he does strength and conditioning there he has like a full uh, full gym of strength equipment pretty much but he'll come down to my Academy no Stos MMA and he'll put me through the ringer I do three times a week Um, One of those days is called Hell Day, which we just wrapped up. So part of the reason I'm a zombie right now. But basically, (laughs) we do a good hard warm-up. We do a pre-fatigue, which is supposed to replicate like an adrenaline dump prior to the fight. And then immediately off of that, we get into our first round. And each round, it's not an exact time because there's a certain number we're supposed to hit with each thing we do. But we're trying to get to about five minutes, just under, just over. And then we do a minute break, and then we go again minute break we go again so it's replicating the fight it's high intensity we're trying to simulate things like getting deep underhooks to try and get off the cage things like isometric holds where we're, we're holding on for a squeeze for a takedown a burnout with our shoulders where we're trying to do fast hard punches to finish the fight with with uh hand weights and all, all sorts of crazy stuff the guy's a mad scientist but it's, it's phenomenal um but that's kind of more the style that i do for cardio i'll do yeah. like hill sprints and stuff here and there but I do three times a week with my strength and conditioning. And that's one of them. <clears throat> Other than that, I do my normal classes and all my extra pad work and, and get my sparring in and whatnot. The diet is definitely huge. It's, uh, it's one of the hardest parts about the fight. Uh, a lot of people cut too much weight. Yeah. I've seen people that drop out of fights because they're just they They get sick. They, they drop out the day before or the mm-hmm. day of, I try and get as low as I can through diet and then cut as little water as possible. But it's not always easy, you know it well it's never easy <laughs> never ever easy do you eat, weight. do
0: you eat uh, are you a meat eater do you eat vegan vegetarian
1: um I eat vegetarians uh some of the time, but I eat wild game and I eat fish cool, so um yeah, I don't eat any factory farm processed meats i eat, try to eat um very very clean veggies all the time and fruits and in nuts and and legumes and whatnot, but venison, bear. Uh, partridge, partridge, elk, um, any of that stuff that I can get whenever I can get it, uh, I try and eat it. Do you hunt? I don't, but my whole family lives eight hours up Maine. Yeah, and, and they have hunting camps and things like that. So anytime I want it, I can pretty easily access it. Sound
0: like Joe Rogan over there? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I I feel like I should know to, know how to hunt because yeah. part of the reason I don't eat the factory farm stuff is because I just I think they're not treated well, and I know it's not. How, the the environment they're in is not going to make the meat that's going into my system very healthy no all the cortisol and whatnot where they're uh they're just stressed all the time i feel like an animal out in nature healthy living a good life you kill it quick and then you're gonna have the healthiest meat you can put into your body but i feel like i should probably be able to do it too if i'm gonna eat it but maybe in the future yeah
0: yeah when you got a little more time maybe <laughs> yeah
1: Hunting's not easy either. No, no. So I could go out there and then feel a little bit better about it, but I know I'd probably still never kill anybody. Yeah, yeah. My dad goes every single year up Thanksgiving where we go to Ellagash, and I don't think he's getting a, getting a <laughs> deer in like 10 years.
0: It, t- it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of I, – I mean, I'm not a hunter, but I know it takes a lot of time. I've gone out several times. But it, now is that is that something you've you've just educated yourself on over time? Because I'm of the same mindset as far as food goes. Um and that was an education process over, you know, it, it took me moving out west to really understand the food system um, to its fullest extent and how bad it is and how bad factory farms are and how bad monocropping is. And was that just something that you kind of stumbled on or?
1: Yeah, I basically, when I was 14, I was just a little, little fat musician kid in high school <laughs> and I kind of wanted to, to get a little bit more better shape maybe get girls to actually like me (laughs) and uh look good when i'm playing my guitar so i stopped eating meat entirely no fish no meat no wild game nothing and i did that for probably at least 10 years probably like uh five or six years ago i started eating fish again and then only a little over a year ago i started eating wild game again um i i kind of picked up knowledge as i went i just knew that it was a pretty nasty, uh, area to, to get into. And I think that the way that YouTube and all these documentaries and everything have grown, people are finding out more and more. And a lot of people are just like, don't tell me, I don't want to know. But I kind of was always like, yeah, I want to know. Tell me about it. What's what, what am I potentially going to eat? Even with vegetables, you know, it's, there's a lot of junk out there. And when you get so many people you're trying to feed, you got a shortcut. So try and get away from the shortcuts as much as possible.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's when the corporations take everything over, it's as, as as much production as you can get for as little cost.
1: Don't worry, I'm just taking up. Oh, hoodie. it's okay, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, take off your hoodie. No <laughs> worries, to dude. Silently um, do code. Steve. Yeah, no worries, man. And if you if you have to go to the bathroom, we can just pause for a second. No big deal. This is totally loose, free form. Um, and I'm back. And he's back. <laughs> uh, y- yeah, I th- yeah. The awareness around food, I think, has grown a lot, but it's important to understand that, uh, everything is energy. And if you take in some bad energy, you're going to get bad energy out of it. And, and so with the meat back in your diet, was that a, a matter of, uh, gaining more muscle mass? Did you feel like it, you needed to get more protein in your system? You yeah. Know?
1: yeah, I definitely, I definitely thought that getting more protein would be good for me. I've been anemic for as long as I've been doing blood testing and um i just think that that's a good way to try and maybe get up my 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 uh red blood cell count and yeah and everything <clears throat> and i just i know that it's it's clean and it, it's healthy and the reason that i wasn't eating that wasn't a uh wasn't like a health standpoint it, it really that was more the factory farming thing yeah and i think that i just was like if i'm not going to eat it i'm not going to eat it and then i just decided maybe just eat a good source of it instead. And it took me over a decade to to kind of make that decision.
0: Well, it's taken a long time for local meat, sustainably raised meat, humanely raised meat, grass, you know, free range grass fed meat to even be available on the seacoast. It's taken some time, but now you can go to almost a lot. Well, I want to say almost all restaurants, but most of the restaurants, the local ones in town now serve, you know, meats, from local farms you can go to Maine meat across the bridge in kittery and you can get good sustainably raised meats and even like hannaford's and some of these other places have decent stuff um but it's definitely taken some time yeah but yeah i i consider myself a a conscious eater we eat pretty much vegetarian vegan at home but uh when i'm out at a good place i'll eat meat you know um there was something i was going to segue into there and i totally spaced Talk a little bit about your gym. When did you start that? Uh,
1: three years ago. As of May, I opened it up. I had a, um, a good connection there. I was training MMA there. My uh, buddy Bill Jones, he was running it um, prior to me. It was called The Shop. Mm-hmm. And they just were at a point where they, they were going to close down. It was just too much work. They had full-time jobs and families. and it was kind of just dwindling and they were at the point where it's going to either shut down entirely or see if I would be considering um buying them out and making a new thing so i kind of took a big leap um i i kind of took over the reins renovated the the whole facility and opened up within a couple weeks and that was right after i fought um john lemke uh for the first time mm-hmm. and I was, for the first year of operating Nostos MMA, I was working at the Passport Center still, which is like my my main squeeze back then. I, I worked there for almost eight years. I was just processing passports, doing monotonous horrible work. Yeah. And then going and sleeping for like an hour in my car during lunch and then getting to the academy, teaching all night. And then I would go home after cleaning the mats and try and eat food and be in bed by midnight to one if i was lucky and then back to work at six forty-five. So. so you were just you were grinding it was a grind for yeah. sure and I, in addition to that i was bouncing uh twice a week at fat bellies in portsmouth and i was teaching twice a week in danvers massachusetts at a, wow. at a prep school at uh, st john preparatory school i was teaching jujitsu so after a year of that i finally was doing well enough where i could let the day job go because prior to that i was using the day jobs income to keep the facility open because, yeah we started so you, up you, there's no one there you, you know? self-funded the whole thing yeah, yeah. wow that's yeah. awesome man yeah that's
0: gotta i know that was tough but it's got to feel good now
1: yeah it, no it's great i had to take out one one decent business loan but we paid it off already so it's, that's awesome man it's been huge yeah so we're just going strong and that uh the jujitsu and muay thai just come down and see us i know man. dude i'm You're gonna, gonna i'm it. gonna have to yeah. make
0: it out man because i've been dying <laughs> i can, i know i can throw some knees and elbows pretty there you
1: good <laughs> perfect
0: <laughs> um so now you have uh you know I, I follow you on instagram and so now you have a pretty full offering of of a schedule right i mean yeah you have regular like what are you guys offering now for anyone that's listening that might be interested to, uh, to come to the gym yeah. and you're in summersworth yep, yep. right uh, right uh right right next, next to the there.
1: trackside tacos and the the little bakery Is there a new taco place there? yeah it's awesome it's, it's good connected to us so that makes it a little bit tough during weight cuts Literally do they like connected. A, do they have a
0: pork belly taco by chance? Oh,
1: I think so. Yeah. They get That's they, my jam. They got all the good stuff, man. <laughs> and then they got the the margaritas, all the things that you can't have when you're getting ready for fights. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's gotta be nice but, being right next door. Yeah,
1: but yeah, at our academy we have pretty much everything. It's not people have that misconception that it's an MMA gym, go there and get into a fist fight. But ninety percent of the people don't compete at all, whether it yeah. be jujitsu striking or MMA and we have a really strong kids program like on a busy night on a monday night maybe we'll have like 25 youth students all doing class which is pretty pretty uh, busy youth night
0: and what what are you teaching on at youth like?
1: um we do youth kickboxing and youth brazilian jiu jitsu which cool. is basically for people that don't know what brazilian jiu jitsu is it's like wrestling with submissions pretty much you're Mm -hmm. learning how to take somebody down hold them down control them if you need to submit them i was
0: listening to uh, a joe rogan podcast and there was a uh, fbi or caa guy on there and he was talking about how his boys were always beating the shit out of each other and so he got them into brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu yeah so now they're submitting each other and so um my boys i've got two younger boys they're uh four and seven now and uh they beat the shit out of each other constantly and, and yeah. i've been saying I'm, I'm gonna get you guys into Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. so you can submit each other and actually like not be punching and biting and doing all this other crap
1: <laughs> yeah bring them on over they yeah. just tap gotta get each them other there. out and do some Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu yeah. while you're at it I got a them lot over. of uh, a lot of parents that do the classes um some of them will, like help out during the jiu-jitsu classes for the kids and then we had we try and accommodate so that some uh, sometimes we'll have a kid's class in one room and then we'll have a parent's class oh, cool. in the other room. Um, and then we always try and do, right after a kid's class, have a class that parents can also do if they want to watch their kids. So we try and pair it pretty well for families because cool. we have a lot of parents that train in addition to their kids. But, yeah.
0: That's awesome, yeah. man. And um, so you're doing the kids on, on Monday nights and then you have a, a regular schedule of uh, Muay Thai, BJJ, kickboxing anything else yeah
1: so we have kids classes five days a week we have monday monday wednesday friday saturday sunday we have kids classes um and there are like i said the jujitsu and the, uh, the striking for the youth and then for everybody else we have um we have boxing we have muay thai kickboxing we have functional conditioning we have normal conditioning which you'd have to ask the conditioning coaches how they're different because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not smart enough. You're not doing that. But, um, but we have MMA. We have, um, I think I said Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Gi, yeah. gi-, gi and no Gi. Gi is kind of like the uniform when you want to get promoted to your next belt. Like I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it takes a long time. So mm-hmm. if you do no Gi, some academies will belt you, but usually it's the Gi where you get promoted.
0: Didn't uh, Demi Lovato just get uh, Her, with the black with the white stripes?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) dude. There's all these people like, that's
0: impossible. She's only been doing it for three (laughs) months. (laughs) How the hell could she get it? And and then a bunch of people were coming to her defense, like, dude, she's under a really good instructor. She's dedicating a lot of time to it. It's possible to do that. Yeah. People were just like, oh, it's just because she's Demi Lovato. She got a belt. Yeah. It's like, come on.
1: Yeah. I have no clue. Um, I saw a video of her throwing someone though, and it looked like she definitely knows your shit. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Good for her. Yeah. But, yeah, we also have uh, yoga and women's lifting classes and um, a 40-plus class. Um, cool. So, yeah, a huge variety of things. And like I said, most people don't go there to learn how to f- – to, not, not they, le- they all like learning how to, to fight because it's an MMA gym. Um, some people do just conditioning, but 90% of them do some of the striking or jujitsu. jitsu But the, the vast majority of people don't want to compete. Mm -hmm. They have no interest in doing it. They just want to hit pads, get in great shape, do some cardio classes, do a yoga class here and there, and just have fun. It's it's so much better to me and to to everybody that transitions from that, from like a traditional gym, whether it be Planet Fitness or, or whatever, it doesn't matter which gym. You can do all the same things there, and then you can come and you can do you know plenty of different things at our gym. You can do conditioning, but it's with the group or you can come go uh, off in the other room while we're doing classes and do your own lifting or kettlebell or battle rope or whatever you want. And then if you want to do group classes or private lessons, they're always available. So mm-hmm. it's just it's different and it's more more motivation if you ask me. And it's a nice family thing like when we have fights Even though a lot of people have no interest in fighting, they love the fighters. Everybody that fights helps out with coaching, and they all want to go see the fighters compete. So we'll go up. Maybe there's an NEF fight, which is that league that I was the champion for. We'll have a guy fight or a couple people fight. We'll all get hotels. We'll kind of have like a little mini party after they fight and celebrate and get some food and drink and it's just a cool environment. it's a good break from the monotony of your day. A lot of people look for that escape, yeah, and uh it's it's almost like everybody almost everybody plays like a team sport when they're growing up, and you have that team again, you mm-hmm. know, and for the kids that never did, they all of a sudden have a team for the first yeah. time, so
0: well, I think that's one of the coolest things I've seen just just locally with uh what you have going with Portsmouth uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has going is that it's, it's, it's a family and, and you hear that um, it's a huge help for people that are alcoholics or um, suffering from PTSD or suffering from any kind of ailment, you know, whether it's depression to get into an environment like that where you're supported um, that family environment is just huge. It just seems like a really amazing uh, form of, uh, medicine if you will you know
1: yeah it's we call it mat therapy yeah and it's 100 legitimate a lot of people will get the same thing or a similar thing when they go out for like a good run or maybe they go and work out at planet fitness or whatever but yeah i mean it's just something about physical activity and also having a good support group everybody in there is going to have a good time you're working hard together you're pushing each other you're also laughing together and talk you know you can vent about some stupid thing that happened in the office whatever you know so it's just it's an awesome place and the only people that ever leave that that spot less happy than when they showed up would be the occasional fighter that might maybe had a rough day and fighting's rough and that's why 90 percent of the people don't want to do it it's it's a hard sport, and sometimes you're you know it's not your day. You go and you get beat up. You're cutting weight. You're, un- you're unhappy. But for the the person that comes from the office and they go and they hit pads really hard and they feel great and they get a great sweat and they just lost four pounds of water and they're they're hanging out with a new friend that's holding pads from they're joking around whatever. It's just it's it's awesome. It's such a good environment and. That's the reason that I, I got into fighting because initially I just went in there because I wanted something new to do and I fell in love with martial arts. And I just figured out after doing it for a few years I was good at competing, so I did it. But I have my academy because I know there's a lifeline with competing. And when I quit competing, I'm going to have my academy forever. Yeah. Because I'll always love teaching and I'll always love training. I just eventually i am not going to want to do the three times a week strength and conditioning and, and get punched in the face <laughs> every day. and
0: But it's, a great, it's great. You doing this is... is- Great for your business, obviously. It just it just makes it promotes the business, but it it makes it um what's the word I'm looking for? Not authentic, but it it just it makes it more real. Like you know, you've got fighters, you've also got other fighters coming out of the gym. Um Oh she's taking a photo. Mm -hmm. It's like I thought she was telling us to wrap it up. You got other fighters coming out of the gym, and when those fighters get out into the wild, you know, obviously that that brings what's the word I'm looking for? You know it. Come um, on, help me out here. It brings name? a certain type of legitimacy, I oh, guess, yeah, to the to go. the gym, the you one. know, and to the training when you're actually out there fighting. Yeah. Um, so I just want to kind of back up uh, a little bit of a, s- a segue from what you were mentioning just a, f- a few minutes ago. Um, when did it hit you? I know you spent eight hours. I mean, eight years rather at the at the passport, eight hours a day, eight years, maybe longer, yeah. at the passport center how how long ago did you start fighting and when was the the time that just kind of you were like fuck it i'm 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 gonna i'm all in on this like i'm gonna bust my ass work you know however many hours a day on the side you know teach and i'm gonna i'm gonna get into this full time i'm just gonna go for it
1: yeah it was um it was a well there was a bunch of different phases kind of at first, I just did it because I, I wanted to try it. You you, you got to test the waters. Some people that are phenomenal in the gym can go and they can compete and they can be a whole other person. Some people can be a whole different person in the gym and then go and compete and be way better than that. You find out a lot about yourself when you get locked in a cage again, you know, and you're looking across from somebody that wants to take your soul. Yeah. So, phase one was I want to do something, do some competition, and I'd done some jiu-jitsu, won some tournaments, so that was the next step up. And I uh, found out that I was pretty good at it, and I wanted to kind of keep pushing. Uh, I did, um, I did this, uh, this like tiny little uh, piece in this movie, Here Comes a Boom. I was like an extra, and I met all these really good pro fighters. We were there for a week training and whatnot, and while I was there, I found out that I was having a kid. And the whole world kind of changed, a huge shift in my life. And I realized that fighting as an amateur wasn't going to really do the job anymore. Yeah, I could maybe relook at what I'm doing for a living, um, or I could try and make what I love uh, more of a living. And what I loved was the martial arts. What I hated was the passport center. So I decided that maybe I should go pro. And make some money from the fights rather than being an amateur and just get paid on ticket sales. So right after that, I had my first fight as a pro, pretty much. And I just kept kind of stringing them along. I had a few ups and downs um, where it kind of was like, is this right? Should I be doing this? Because really, even in the UFC, when you're, when you're new, you don't get paid too much. You know, it's public knowledge what you make. What teammate? Yeah, as a UFC fighter. Um, it's uh, So for your first fight in the UFC, it's usually 10000 to show, $10,000 to win. And then there is a potential for fight of the night, um, performance of the night, and another performance of the night. And those are $50,000 bonuses, but it's only a couple people that end up getting them. And there's usually 12 or so fights on the card. So out of 24 people, there's like four people that end up with that bonus. Mm-hmm that being said you could you could fight once lose a decision whatever hurt yourself be out for the rest of the year and make ten thousand dollars and you're thinking about if you're at a really nice gym and you're paying four hundred dollars a month to train there or if you're you're paying ten twenty percent to your gym of your purse and then paying for all these privates and all these lessons and all these all these other things that you're doing, all your supplements your your food your travel it it all goes away very quickly and even i mean ten thousand dollars just boom in your account it seems pretty nice but yeah, it's I mean, out. it's it, it's when you're thinking about a twelve week fight camp you know it's it's really not too much
0: and how many fights realistically can you do a year
1: I think three is an okay number, four is really good anything above that's starting to get a little more crazy so if you
0: win every fight, you have the potential to do sixty k a year yeah, based so, on my math.
1: <laughs> ba- yeah, basically, there's there's an incentive on. You always want to win, but yeah. they incentivize it a little more by bumping your pay a tiny bit each fight if okay. you win. If you don't win, it stays the same. Okay. Um, and then after you finish a contract, if you do well and they like you, then they can keep you and you can renegotiate contract. So there's there's a plenty of little things about it that um that affect you know what you're gonna make, but for the first few fights, you're pretty much set you know you know what what you can make and if you win or lose you know what you will make um and then uh yeah then you go from there and it's just a matter of health if you can fight again you need clearance like i broke my eye socket in my last fight i got elbowed in the third round i couldn't really see anything is that when you started bleeding yeah, yeah. that's when, that's the thing you don't realize the announcer's like and finally some blood out of powell <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me exactly with it's... 10 stitches across my eye, a permanent Jeez. scar yeah, I and can also see the also a, a broken orbital bone Fuck. So it's crazy, you know, It's brutal, dude. And so I needed to get clearance. They suspended me for six months, but I ended up going and seeing all these doctors and getting a lifted suspension.
0: Six months. Yeah. Six months. Is what That's a they long me time. Yeah.
1: So in that, that six months, who knows if the time would line up where it's like, all right, you're going to have a fight right away. Or it's like, no, it's six months. And then we'll find you one. It's like, all right, well, it's really nine months later. So looking at $10,000 for 9 months of work, you know, training. It's not every easy, day. man. No. It's
0: not an easy career field.
1: Yeah. And I have the academy and I'll, yeah. I'll always have that and I which is smart.
0: You have yeah. a foundation. You've built a foundation prior to going for it, which yeah. I, th- I think a lot of times it seems like it's the other way around. Yeah. Like you're trying to scramble to build a foundation while you're in the midst of Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> building a career. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. Um so let let's say in theory you've got this uh your fight coming up right so um do you have a fight lined up after that or does it all depend on the results of this next fight
1: yeah entirely based off of the results of this fight um the best thing about fighting him is the fact that he came uh he's coming off a fight from uh that was khabib Nurmagomedov, who's the number one fighter oh think, yeah he's fucking badass isn't in, he? yeah he's number one i think maybe number two at, the, at 155 next to the title holder yeah which is conor mcgregor who probably won't ever fight in the UFC again especially if the, the Mayweather boxing, thing happens. It's yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah, it looks pretty pretty good I think. I mean, I don't know why either of them wouldn't want it to happen. <sighs> Statistically speaking, the numbers are insane and Mayweather should look at that like this dude's never boxed once. Why shouldn't why shouldn't I go make an easy payday? Uh McGregor is probably looking at it like this could be the one one fight I need to, to be done. He's a dad sports. now. Yeah. He's a dad now, and prior to that even, he'd he'd spoken about how he wants to uh, get in and out, make his money and go. He, he's talked openly to his coaches who have talked to the public about how one of his biggest concerns, same thing with me, is head trauma, yeah. not wanting to do a lot of hard sparring sessions and be smart. And I'm I'm definitely right there. you know, I have a five- year- old I want to remember every single day with her. Yeah I've already been doing the sport a long time. So I'm um, 29 now, but I've been going pretty much every day a week for almost a decade now. So it's it's a lot, you know, and it wears on your body. So as soon as I feel like it's time to get out or if I you know if something happens, I'm no longer in the UFC, I'm going full on. You know, uh, Nostos MMA, run my academy, add a couple more classes probably, and just focus on growing the business, expanding, and taking care of my family, my fiance, my daughter, and and just living life, enjoying it, cornering the next generation, which we've already got some absolute killers at our academy. Awesome. So, yeah.
0: I think that fight's going to happen. I think it's going to be the biggest pay-per-view ever. Yeah. And they'll both walk away with some decent cash. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that Mayweather's last purse was like fifty million. Um stupid and Connor's last pay per view was probably five or six million or so, which is huge for the UFC. Yeah. Huge. Demetrius Johnson, who just tied Anderson Silva's record of most consecutive title defenses ever, I think he only makes three fifty each fight. Three hundred and fifty thousand. Shit. And he's the most successful best pound for pound fighter in the world. Who he actually just went uh public about his uh, his disagreements with the UFC and how they they've kind of bullied him. They want him to fight uh, TJ Dillashaw and stuff. So I really don't know um, all of it. I was actually listening to it on the way here, and I'm excited to kind of see what what else he has to say. But it's it's just money, you know. It's yeah. all about the money. The money that you can make them, they'll give you a piece of it. That's how it is, you know. If they don't feel like they're giving, uh, getting enough out of out of you then they're not gonna give you too much back. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah. And uh Demetrius thinks he wasn't marketed correctly, but you know, who knows? <laughs> you know, well they they do
0: that. I mean wasn't it, was it the uh was the Ronda Rousey fight? Uh who was she fighting where they where the other side wasn't getting promoted very well. I, fr- Probably I her last one. It was Emily the last Indian one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it that's
1: was that's a that's a very um very clear example of about uh what you bring in for the company and what you get back because uh amanda nunes i think made two hundred thousand dollars for that fight and ronda rousey made a hundred thousand dollars per second <laughs> she made three million in that fight it's crazy and amanda nunes beat her beat her bad in in about it's a star minute.
0: star power yeah she's and been in all the hollywood all the hollywood movies and it. brings a crowd yeah. and I mean, it's all about ratings and bringing a crowd, and it's an interesting, interesting business. I mean, there there are points of it that reminds me similar to the WWF and some of the, you know, the actors out there. You know, like it, it is an absolute hilarious thing to watch when you see McGregor up there, like pre-fight interview stuff, like yeah, Dude's
1: hilarious, absolutely. And that's what they want, you know. They they want there's a fine line because they. I don't know. They they pretend to to not want like the the bottle throwing and the pushing and shoving, which they'll fine them for. But really, it's it's gonna grow the pay per view and probably the amount that the pay per view numbers will go up. Their cut from the pay per view will probably pay for their fines. Yeah. They they want chaos. They want people yelling at each other at weigh They want you to get invested in the fight. They don't want if we are fighting for me to walk up to you both of us just smiling shake each other's hands like it's great meeting you i'll see you tomorrow (laughs) you know no no buzz you know that because that only comes down to all right these guys are going to see who's a better athlete who's going to be better tomorrow but they want people like holy this guy wants to kill this guy they hate each other talking about each other's moms like dude check this interview out you gotta see this and like that's the stuff they want. They want it to get passed around like a beach ball at a Nickelback nickel yeah. concert. Nickelback. <laughs> that's a hot rod quote. That's a good one. <laughs> I
0: know I love my Nickelback. Oh, yeah. Never <laughs> made it as a wise man. Right? Yeah, that, oh yeah, okay, cool, so. cool. Yeah. I, I got to make sure Look I still remember. Look at photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Look
1: at his photograph. <laughs> probably pull a CD from the hundreds <laughs> of thousands in here.
0: Yeah, we were surrounded by yeah. him at the WSCA studio here. Yeah. Um, couple more a couple more questions uh, i know you're tight on time so i don't want to hold you up too much you probably got to go train some more and then pass out or something oh yeah um, a little bit of both so Twice. so tell me what it was like the first time you got into the ring
1: um man that was uh that was a weird weird day <laughs> i guess it, without without doing it you don't know any of the back the back uh, like what's behind the backdrop you know it's just you know there's a cage you know you get into it you know you get into a fight but it's all of a sudden you're like go to the arena after you you made weight for the first time you know the night before which is also another kind of weird thing cutting that weight first yeah. time hitting 155 and knowing what your body feels like but the day of the fight you show up at the arena you have to be there early you go out back there's a handful of fighters all their coaches like, probably 50 of us with, you know, you each have two to three cornermen. There's 12 fights or more each night. And, that you know, 25, 30 fighters or so. And, and you're all back there. The The ref comes out back and the, the commission's there. And they go through all the rules. Like, all right, so make sure you're no 12 to 6 elbows. And uh, if you're an amateur, don't kick them in the face from the ground and all this stuff. And we're all just standing there. Your opponent's, like, 10 feet over here. And you're all just listening, like is like all right this is how we do this like a clean version of like complete chaos and violence and uh then all of a sudden your hands are getting wrapped up you're in this little little poorly lit room and then it's like all right let's hit some pads you got to get warm get the get the body warm so we can go out there and then you're warmed up and then you're like all right here we go i'm warm I'm ready to go and then they're like all right you're walking in five minutes like oh man okay i'm walking i'm walking and you're kinda of just pacing, you're talking to yourself. You're like, okay, so you're I can gonna do this. throw up? I can do this. Um, no, I haven't no? thrown up by <laughs>
0: did, did you feel like it though nerves wise or No,
1: I, I don't usually throw up. Um I've had one fight where I felt like I was gonna throw up after and I don't know why. It was the World Series fight. Yeah. But um never before I get I get the butterflies and I get yeah. anxious and all that stuff. Um but yeah, it's not not the throwing up feeling, but it's uh it's definitely a crazy bunch of emotions once you walk out they're like all right we're going you walk out behind this guy he leads you boom you go out the curtain there's this huge crowd out there and then you get into the cage you listen to music like oh this is awesome excited and then usually If you walk second, that's better. Because otherwise you're sitting in the cage and then the other guy walks in. and goes, he was walking out to some song you don't like. Like maybe some like metal song that you hate or like some rap song that you're like not into at all. you're kind of just sitting there like, all right. And you stay warm. It's cold out here. All right. This guy's walking out. He's excited. He's listening to his song. And then he's out and boom, he's staring across from you. Like, oh my God, this guy wants to beat me up. Like, there's a guy between you. And then he says, Devin, are you ready? Such and such, are you ready? fight and you're like holy all right here we go and then hands up you walk in and then once the first punch is thrown it's just kind of you're just kind you're just of in the uh, cruise control yeah but it's wild it's wild man it's uh it's, it's nothing like it at all you know but yeah
0: <laughs> do you have um <clears throat> do you want to give an unofficial plug for your for your next fight
1: um we can make it official it's an
0: official plug.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm fighting Daryl Horcher June 25th, Oklahoma City for the UFC. It's a fight night, Kiesta versus Lee, I believe. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's he's coming from Duke Rufus. I'm coming from Maine. We're gonna put on a good scrap. Hopefully, it will be on Fox Sports One. If not, they'll put us on the Fight Pass. Yeah. They haven't announced the official. Um, do you have to order. have?
0: Do you have to pay for? That's not FS1. Is available on cable, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep.
1: All available right on cable. Cool. And then the Fight Pass is something that you need to pay a subscription to have. Yeah. That's their incentive, uh, incentive, uh, incentive to to have people pay to have the Fight Pass. They have all the old fights and whatnot, but it, sometimes they'll do entire cards just on Fight Pass, so you can watch it on your phone or you can hook it up to your TV, but it's just streamed.
0: hmm yeah. Um, and then uh, all the details about your gym.
1: Yeah, uh, it's Nostos MMA. N O S T O S, M M A. It's in Somersworth, New Hampshire, thirty-eight Market Street. We have a Facebook page, uh, Instagram. Instagram sort of my Instagram, but yeah. it also says Nostos MMA, so a little more personal than the business page. We do a whole free week for all new students. So just come in, do whatever classes you want, enjoy it. Do family rates, classes for all ages.
0: Um, What's the website?
1: It's nostosmma.com. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, one last thing, you've been doing. So when we first got in and we were talking, uh, you've you've been doing a lot with uh, with stories. <clears throat> and for anybody out there that's not really using Instagram much or is new to Instagram or is curious about stories, you know, explain how you've been using them and in, in uh, how it's worked for you. Like, have you gotten a good response from people about it? People talk about it. Do you yeah. feel like it's a good medium?
1: Yeah, I, tr- I try to make my Instagram a little bit less conventional. I'll put some stuff up there that's just, I mean, my life is training. So I'll, po- I'll post pictures of me training and whatnot. But with the story, I try and do stuff that's a little bit more captivating, a little more silly or more um, my personality. Um, the things that I've been doing, I mentioned them briefly, but I can go a little more in depth. So I tried to chronicle my trip to Vegas. The UFC just built this new facility. It's the athlete performance institute Mm -hmm. for the ufc basically it is a giant warehouse that's i mean it's the size of disney world pretty much they have their offices they have a spot to screen fights um to do parties an outdoor area for like where you can do like big old barbecues and like there's a like a theater overhang and then inside the training facility there's a strength and conditioning area downstairs there's a hyperbolic chamber with this crazy twenty something thousand dollar treadmill that uh you basically put your waist around this bubble and then you turn it on you change the the weight that you want it to feel so say you hurt your knee training you hop on this thing and you can adjust it so it basically feels like you weigh like 30 pounds so but you can also make it seem like you weigh 30 pounds and you're walking on everest (laughs) so it's not very easy And then they have, uh, you know, outdoor areas with AstroTurf for like tire flips, sprints, whatever. They have um, inside like the main office area, they have their dining hall where you can go there and have free breakfast and lunch whenever. Um, And then they have inside the training facility, they have a spot to get uh, your smoothies or your shakes. You can tell them what your diet's like, what you're trying to do, your goals, and they'll make them for you for before or after you train. And then upstairs there is the full octagon with these crazy motion capture cameras that you can uh, hook up so that you see yourself in slow mo from every single angle, see what you're doing right and wrong with your training partners. <clears throat> and then behind the octagon is a glass, uh, a big glass panel, and there's a bunch of like stadium seating right there and that's where like your coaches can sit and they can watch you and they can kind of study what you're doing and they can also pull down a projector screen and then from there you can watch uh tape on the guys you're going to (laughs) fight so it's insane there's also the the room with the hot tub the cold tub the underwater treadmill which is not fully underwater just like your waist down (laughs) otherwise it'd be very difficult kind of hard to breathe yeah (laughs) But, I mean, I'm sure they'd, they'd figure out yeah, way to do it. Yeah, scuba suit. but <laughs> yeah, Scuba Steve. But there's there's everything there. And basically, I was trying to chronicle everything they showed us there. They had Snoop Dogg come down and perform I saw for it, us. Yeah. Yeah. They had Kobe Bryant do a speech, Michael Strahan do a speech. Um, another football player, like a Jets uh, wide receiver, I'm blanking on his name right now. He did a speech. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was insane. And now, is
0: that is that anybody that's part of the UFC can go there any time? What are they yeah. doing
1: with that facility? Yeah, so that's the thing that's a little weird. It's it's Well, it's not weird, but it's, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because I'm allowed to go there any time. And for me, it's good because I'm the head coach at my academy. So when I go there, I can bring any teammates and friends that I want to go and train there for free. That's cool. Free food for all of us whenever we want there's sleeping pods so you can rest there in between sessions the only thing you have to cover is like stay in a hotel for the nights because they close the facility at nine to do all their like clean up and whatever else crazy studies they have but you email them you coordinate times like training session times and also they have a full staff there like the, the one of the ladies that was Uh, working for the the Olympic team for six years they took her she was the physical therapist for them now she works there full-time at the facility Forrest Griffin's there doing athlete coordination where he's figuring figuring out schedules and who you should see when there's this guy Bo who's a strength and conditioning coach for the facility who will figure out what programs you should do to get better at what you're looking to get better at and there's somebody there that's always in that station for like the nutritional shakes and supplements and, and all that and there's just a whole crew there. There's a specialized surgery center built in. It's absolutely insane. Wow. But you just tell them when you want to go. They'll set up the the, the times for you. You cover where you're gonna stay. You cover your flight, and then you can go and train indefinitely. Wow. Uh, people were kind of not complaining, but just saying like, hey, we're not we're never gonna come here because we're not gonna pay for all of our all of our teammates, all of our coaches to go there because there's not coaches there. There's no coaches there. You go there, it's an open gym. There's a strength coach and the other people that I said, but nobody there to actually give you pad work or to roll with you or whatever. But for me, I'm incredibly excited to go and you gonna use do it? some training there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's a international fight week coming up, and that's the, the card with um, my buddy Rob Font's actually on it. He's from the Northeast. He's fighting. I don't know if he's fighting on the Saturday or Sunday, but there's back-to-back cards there's a Friday night and a Saturday night, a fight night and then a pay-per-view, and they're both in Vegas. So my plan is to have my fight June 25th, go train there, <clears throat> record all you know, all my data, get some information to come home with, enjoy the fights, kind of party down in Vegas with all the fighters. Cause if you got two two back-to-back uh, cards. With, say, 12 fights, that's 50 fighters there for the weekend with all their coaches. Yeah. And then the after parties and everything is just going to be wild. And with my story, I try and just chronicle that kind of stuff, follow along with it. <clears throat> after that trip, I went to the Azores, which is a small island that's part of Portugal. And this uh, this academy combat, uh, combat, co- uh, combat club, I think they were called, um, they pretty much picked me up. And dropped me off every single day I was there. That's all They awesome. just took me to train. They were amazing. This guy Antonio and this guy Bruno picked me up all the time and helped me out. This guy Treaky there too. I mean, there's there's so many of them, but those three definitely did a lot for me. And on days the academy was closed, they picked me up. We put mats outside. We trained outside. And then they would drop me off back at my hotel. Sometimes they would pick me up. We'd go train. They'd bring me back to my apartment, and then they would wait for me to get ready. Like I had to get ready for a wedding. (laughs) They waited while I get my suit on, all that stuff, and they drove me off to a remote location. They just thought—I think they just thought it was really cool to have a new person there that that was a black belt. That I think the UFC thing comes into play too. You know, I I I hate like boasting about it or whatever, but they all knew it. It's gonna open doors. Yeah, they all knew it, and they all kind of were motivated by it, I think, and just uh, excited that that energy was really cool. And so I I tried to chronicle that whole thing, and then most recently I just was – where would I just go now? <laughs> I'm all over the place. I can't even remember. It was uh, a, something I in Maine just, you did. Yeah, I, I just did the, the BJJ Globetrotters. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's pretty much like the biggest jiu-jitsu um, camp, and they go all over the world, and I was invited to teach there. So all these insane jiu-jitsu coaches, this guy Christian puts it on, and he's just the nicest dude ever. So down to earth, and the, the thing that he's created is just it's a monster. These, these camps sell out within like a week or two, and there's hundreds of people that do each camp, and every couple weeks they're pretty much doing them, or at least like once a month, I think. And you just have all these great coaches hundreds of people that are on the mats doing jujitsu. And then we're rolling. Rolling is pretty much like doing live jujitsu with each other. It's a weird term, but I just say it and assume people know what rolling is. I I, I know it just because I I know a
0: little bit about it, but I don't think, you know, people out there in the podcast fear. Yeah.
1: Probably said it plenty of times. And are listening. like, are they seriously just like doing four rolls on the mat? And that's that, that's that's their training. Bro, are they doing ecstasy? (laughs) What is this? They just do X and just like do four rolls on the mat. (laughs) And then sounds like, so, so cool. ready to fight. I want to sign up for this.
0: <laughs> sounds good. But and in uh, so, do you feel like w- so when you sign with the UFC, have have you? I mean, it, I mean, I'm just following the ride from like following you on Instagram and your stories. Have you learned a shit ton in that short amount of time? It seems like you've been doing a lot. Have you become a better fighter in that time? Are you being exposed to more things because you've signed with the UFC? Yeah, um, is it a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've learned a lot about myself. The first fight, just one of those things that I fought a guy from the biggest, one of the biggest camps in the world, and I knew that I belonged, I think, with a couple adjustments. I think I could, you know, I, I truly believe I could have won that fight. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, you don't get into the UFC without being talented. And they're they're watching me, and they, they've they seen thousands and thousands of fights. They know what a good fighter looks like, and they believe that I can do the job, and I believe I can do the job and I went and trained for a month at American Top Team in Coconut Creek, Florida, and those are, I mean, so many fighters uh, are from the biggest leagues that train there, like a wrestling class on a Monday afternoon will be like 60 people all doing um, Steve Mako's class at like 10 a.m., you know, it's crazy, or more, just every single mat's completely filled, <clears throat> and then i uh, I just kind of got to train with those guys and even more so realize that, yeah, I truly belong here. You know, it's just about about putting in the, the right time and the right work and not stopping. You can't hop off the train. Everybody slips up. Everybody loses. Everybody that's great comes back and does better. And that's kind of just what I learned. I just keep plugging away. My talent I think was always there. I think I'm more talented now and I think I get better every single day, but I think knowing my my place and knowing who i can beat and how well i can do with these top class athletes has really helped a lot and um it's just a matter of just keep plugging away keep doing everything i'm doing getting all these new training sessions with brand new bodies has been huge too yeah you get complacent with your training and you you train with the same people and they know what you're great at and it gets hard to do those things and then you go and train with a new body like i can go and train at that jujitsu camp with a great black belt who's better than Probably most of the guys that I usually get to train at with Jiu but some of the submissions that I can't get on these guys, I can get on them because there's something that I, I haven't shown to this person yet. They haven't felt that threat yet. So you get an awareness when you roll with somebody, somebody footlocks you over and over and over and over, Yeah. you're probably going to hide your feet a little bit more from them, you know? Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden I, I get to work with these people and really see, all right, this could work in a fight. You know, the first time they see it, I catch them with it. So it's different.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you need that in anything to be able to progress. Um, so we're uh, we're going to be rooting for you on June twenty fifth. Super stoked. I have one last question before I let you go. Do you still have your your Royal Enfield?
1: Yes, I do. Good. Oh yeah. You, you've
0: been out riding a little bit. I haven't yet. The weather's I've been, been shit, all over the place. Yeah. yeah.
1: I was thinking about my uh, my Beamer just went into the shop, and I I've been without a car since before the Azores. And oh, I'm like shit. I need I need something to drive. Yeah, it's been killing me, so I need to take it out and just figure it out.
0: <laughs> now, uh, Devin, uh, your wife, girlfriend, Uh fiance,
1: fiance, so happy Congratu- meeting. Congratu- congratulations. Thank
0: you, thank you. Um, now she uh, full time assistant and helps you run the.
1: yeah she is the manager for the academy which has also been absolute absolutely huge change in in the for the better because even when i had my last fight she was helping with a lot she used pretty much a manager to me and set up appointments all this stuff but i was still doing a lot or the the vast majority of the things for the academy with memberships entering deleting contracts um dealing with emails um all that stuff. You know, there's a lot behind the scenes aside from just teaching. But she took all of that over in addition to her still being my manager where mm-hmm. she sets up my appointments, she talks to my corners, she figures out licensing and flights and all of that. So, yeah, I I uh, I, I would be in a real rough place without her. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like it so helps much. a lot. It's that's insane. that's
0: who I did the uh, the scheduling with for the podcast. Yeah. I think that's how I found out that you were looking to go on podcast. I was like, oh, I gotta have
1: them on. Yeah, she keeps me in track. She <laughs> deals with yeah, I mean, fighting's super expensive. I have to deal I have to pay for two of my corners flights to Oklahoma City. We need uh, hotels and all that stuff, so she talks to to potential sponsors and everything, trying to to get us to kind of help cover these bills and try and help advertise for other companies and all that stuff, but I just I'm so strung out with my training 6 days a week double sessions and it gets it gets difficult to deal with all the other stuff that needs yeah. to be dealt with.
0: Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is <clears throat> to yeah. be a fighter and and how uh how little you get paid until you get to a point where you're, you know, yeah, killing it, beating yeah. people up, winning fights and and making a little bit more money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a huge gap between even some of the biggest leagues in the world, like World Series of Fighting, I get paid 1500 to show, 1500 to win, and that's NBC's league. So if I got hurt in that, I would be looking at $3,000 that I'm going home with and trying to pay for my family to survive for so long. Yeah. And I say it a million times, but I have the academy. of fighters don't do anything but fight. Some of them have to work full-time jobs, but the ones that are able to just fight, they need to fight and they need to make money and they need to keep fighting. So they'll push through injuries, they'll do whatever they can so that they can feed their families. Mm So it's tough. You know, Michael Strahan said, right to all of us, he said, I don't know how any of you can can merit doing the things you do to your bodies and get paid as little as you do. (laughs) So you know hopefully there's some changes made with that i'm forever grateful for my opportunity i you know i'm making way more than i ever did but if somehow there was a transition from base rate pay to a higher number i'd be super stoked yeah (laughs) but everyone would huge difference and everybody would be more motivated and more hungry to to do better and you know it would just it'd be good
0: well I'm really happy for you man I'm glad you took the uh, The risk To to do that fight in Portland and, and got in the UFC uh, I've been loving Watching your stories And anyone that wants to follow you It's at Nostos MMA On Instagram
1: Yeah I think it's Devin Powell And then in, I think it's called An underscore maybe yeah, then yeah, Nostos yeah. MMA Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. what it is Okay Yeah
0: Um, So they can follow you On Instagram um, I've been loving Your positive attitude too man That yeah. goes a long way Oh it's huge Um And best of luck to you on uh, June 25th. Awesome. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me.